0: Good morning, everyone. I I get a little nervous when I see titles like that. That is not my title. (laughs) But I am happy to be here. Um, How how did everybody enjoy their week? I was asked at the front door how my week was, and I told him it was a very long five days. It is nice to be here. We, had a, we knew they were coming, but we had some homeless people show up at our house yesterday. They are traveling. They needed some food and some gas, and so we thought we would bring them in and bring them to church. Um, I, I did inform Jim that uh, if he wanted to eat and live at our place for a day or two, that he had to pay by coming to church. Um, actually, Jim and Janelle are Pathfinder people with us from Northern California, They had gone back east to pick up a trailer, and this is kind of halfway, and so we told them that uh, they needed to stop here. So we would like to say thank you for joining us, people from California, those on TV watching us on YouTube this afternoon from California. We'll see you next week. We'll have some more people that are friends of theirs. So it is nice as people travel and as we travel to see friends and family that we don't get to see very often. Um, there is an advantage, one, to Zoom and to Facebook and to that where you do get to see them more often than you we used to. Um, when we lived in Africa, it would take about a month to get a letter sent home. So imagine mom and grandma and grandpa surprised when, you know, we had a little boy born there and they didn't get to see him for three plus months. We were not on the good list for a while with grand and grandpas, but... It is nice to get to know people, to visit with people, and to be around people that you know, you love, and they love the same things that you do. I'd like everyone to bow your heads as we start. Our Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you, to be in this church together. Lord, as people are traveling, as people are at home, wherever they may be, be with them and bless them. In their Sabbath today, in Thy name we ask, Amen. I would like to read the scripture reading again. Uh, one of the things that I ask Pathfinders to do is to bring your Bible. I'm. You notice I didn't say bring your cell phone or your tablet. Bring your Bible. One of the advantages it is if you get used to using your Bible now. When the telephones go away, because it's going to happen shortly, when our tablets cannot be used, when they start to crack down on those of us who don't believe the same way that they believe, we will still have our Bibles for a little while and we'll be more familiar with them. So I help the kids to do that. So humor me and bring out your Bibles if you have them. If not, I, I'm as I told Eric, I'm too old to do slides. Um, so um, he has one up there for the scripture reading, but... Other than that, you're not going to see slides today. Our scripture reading today was John 6, verse 27. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So I have a question for everybody, and I need some answers. This is where you get to interact with what's happening. What is your job? Somebody tell me what your job is. Reflect the image of Christ. What are some of your other jobs? The Great Commission. You know, usually when I ask that question, I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, I'm a cabinet maker. They all tell me all of these things that they do, and that's not our job, folks. Our job is to do exactly what we talked about and was came forward. Our job is to be reflecting Christ's character in the Great Commission. We work for our food to pay our bills. And all of us work at some level or another, and we pay our bills at some level or another. You know, I've been at times in my home where, you know, there was too much month at the end of the money and so you play that game, okay, I paid this bill the first of the month so next month I won't pay it, I'll wait a little bit longer. You're smiling like you've been there. Yeah, I understand. And you have kids and you're trying to figure out how to feed them the best you can but we work for our the money to pay our bills, to buy gas, food, housing, lodging, electricity but our jobs Art reflects Jesus. I'd like you to turn to Ecclesiastes 10, 9.10. By the way, normally we haven't started the uh, sermon time yet when TJ is here and there's more people here. So I hope you didn't set your time-bake ovens to about a l- 1230 or so, because we may get done sooner. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I have people come to me occasionally, I'm still looking for some, that want to go to work for me at the hospital. I had one young man come to me and he wanted to work for me at a hospital I was working at. And his mother came with him to help him in the interview. I wasn't quite ready to hire him because I only needed one person to work. I I didn't want to pay him and have his mother do the job. I had another young lady come to me and say, I want a job. And I said, that's fine. And so there's a list of things that you can and cannot do working at a hospital, and there's a list of things that you can and cannot wear working at a hospital. And I I made the comment that she looked very nice and she had very large hoop earrings on, and I reminded her that if you get a job with me, you cannot wear the big hoop earrings. I said, I have nothing against you wearing earrings, but those you cannot. And she got very angry with me. You can't tell me what I can and cannot wear. And I said to her, Imagine this. I hire you. I ask you to go into that bathroom and clean that bathroom, and I have bar faucets with a tall gooseneck on them, and you bend over to clean that sink, and you lean forward a little bit too much, and you go to stand up, and that hoop catches on that faucet as you're standing up. What's going to happen to your ear? She grabbed her ear, and she says, I see what you mean. We sometimes worry so much about me that we don't worry about who is asking us to do a job. God is asking us to take the jobs that we do and do them the best that we can. He didn't say, do it the best you can for eight hours. He didn't say, do it the best you can only while you're being hired and for the work day. He asks you To do the best you can. Remember the story of the laborers in the field? The people who started in the morning got paid. The people who started in the afternoon got paid. And the people started in the late afternoon, they they all got the same amount of money. And one was upset because I worked longer. God doesn't ask us to determine how long we should work. He asks us to labor for him. That is our job. That is what we are supposed to do. In Proverbs ten sixteen, it tells us, in the first part, the labor of the righteous leads to life. God has promised us salvation if we but continue to work for him. He's not asking us to work for a little while and, you know, I kind of got tired so I'm going to go sit down and I'm going to do this or, you know, I'm going on vacation so I don't have to work for him right now. It's, it's a good time to just kind of relax and just be myself. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about a story in the Bible and most of us know the story. Remember the story of Naaman and his leprosy? See, in the Bible we have Naaman. He was from Assyria. And Assyria and Israel had been kind of carrying on this border, fighting back and forth, and Nothing major, but they just kind of kept throwing rocks at each other and keeping track. Remember, this is us, and that's you. Don't come over here. We, this is ours. You can't come in here. And they were carrying on just a little bit constantly, and it kept everybody kind of knowing where the boundaries were and the borders were. And Naaman was considered a good man. He was captain of the guard. He had leprosy, and he apparently had told his wife, admitted to her that he had leprosy, and she was crying and concerned, and the little girl, remember her? The Bible says that she was a servant girl. That's it. It doesn't give us a whole lot of information about this little young lady. It doesn't tell her how old, tell us how old she is. It doesn't tell her how far away from home she was, but when she saw the lady of the house crying and concerned, she went to her and told her, if you could get somehow to see Elisha, he would take care of this. He would heal your husband. And so, as we go, the girl tells the wife. The wife tells the husband. The husband tells his boss, and his boss tells the king. And the king cuts out the middleman completely and goes to Naaman and says, take this letter, all these funds and gifts, and go find this man. That in itself is enough to tell you that Naaman was a good man. He was honored by the king in a personal visit. And God felt that this was something he wanted to happen. Do you think that this little servant girl could come up and talk to the lady of the house the way she did and be believed if she wasn't doing her job? Just because she cleaned the house well and didn't have any dust on any of the shelves and all the little knickknacks were clean and the dishes were put away, do you think that was enough for this lady of status and stature to listen to her? I don't think so. However, this young lady had learned as a little girl what it meant to serve God, to labor for the master. She didn't think about herself. She went directly to the lady of the house and said, ma'am, if only you could get to Elisha, your husband could be healed. At that point, she was putting herself out there as a servant in those days, she didn't have a life of her own. At a whim, she could have been put to death. She could have lost a lot. But she had the courage to stand up, not just to say, go see Elijah, he'll take care of you. He said, She said that Elisha was a man of God and could heal your husband. She was worshiping her God and... And she was honoring her God in the job that she was given. In 2 Kings 5, 1 to 5 is the story. And it tells us the whole, in the first five verses there, where She went to talk to the mistress of the house, the mistress of the wife talked to Naaman, and on down the line. And I like it where it says, the king of Syria said, go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He went right to Naaman. God was interested in what this little young lady had done in this family's life. He sent them. She had no idea what... The repercussions would be, and I find it interesting. After all of the story is over, we don't hear anything more about this young lady. The big names in the story are Elisha, Naaman, Gehazi. Remember Gehazi? He was greedy about wanting the payment or the gifts that Elisha had turned down. So he went out and lied about it and got him, and he received the leprosy. These are the big names. Naaman didn't even want to go wash in the River Jordan. There were much more beautiful rivers in his country. Finally, one of his guards that was with him on this trip said, if you'd have been asked to go wash in that, you'd have done it, right? Well, yeah, because they're beautiful rivers. Well, you were asked to go here. How, is it that big a deal that you just, you followed these directions and now all of a sudden you're mad about it? Go back and, and wash in the River Jordan. And he did. And he was cured from leprosy all because of a little maiden who was doing her job for Christ. This young lady did not give Bible studies. This young lady never stood up in front of people and gave a sermon. This young lady never stood up in front of people Wednesday evening and had prayer meeting. And for the young people, this young lady never did a podcast, and I'm not exactly sure what that is. She just lived her life with God in her heart. Daily, every day. And she was seen doing it. So much so that when she suggested to go... Naaman went. She lived her life without com- complaints. She have a lot to complain about. I think she did. She was taken from her home at an age that we don't know, but I'm assuming somewhere in, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years of age. She had no idea of ever getting back to see her parents if they were alive. See her family, her homeland? She had some reasons to complain in our ideas today. She didn't blame God because you let me get taken as a slave to work with some strange heathen people who prayed to gods that I don't know. She knew that she had been trained from birth to be a child of God. Mrs. White even talks about the fact that that she is a marvelous example for parents with young children. This is how you start as little, little children and bringing them up in the faith of God to love their creator because it's easier as they get older. She did not do any of these things. She was so concerned about her mistress's husband, that she put herself out there and she tried her very best to meet the needs of the family that she was given to work for. God had given her a job, wasn't the most glamorous, but she was going to do that job as well as she could. In Hebrews 6, nine to 10, uh, 10 to 12, I'm sorry, Hebrews 6, 10 to 12, yes. For God is not unjust to forget your work or your labor of love. We didn't hear about the little maid after the story was over and Naaman was, we don't hear anything of Naaman after that except one time in the Bible after that. Mrs. White tells us that God, Christ did not necessarily go out to meet all the lepers in his day. They did not have the same attitude and willingness to follow directions, even though he got mad to begin with. He went back and followed the directions given him by Elisha to go wash in the River Jordan. And Christ mentions him by name as being one who is worthy of following God because he had the courage to do what he was told. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which he has shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Do we sometimes decide who the saints are? They're not really worth my efforts. I'm going to go talk to these people. They may be on a street corner and dirty. We may not want to associate with them. We may have been walking down the sidewalk and somebody comes lurching out of the bar. We really don't associate with those people. I had something I heard about a story. A couple rode their motorcycle to church, found a parking space right in the front door. It was awesome. You know, motorcycles, hard to park, but there was a parking space right in front Pastor met the young couple at the door, said, please move your motorcycle. Well, why do we want to move our motorcycle? Because we don't want the community to think we're that type of church. Do we choose who we minister to? Or do we allow the Holy Spirit to put people in front of us every single day to minister to them the way this young maiden did to the family that she worked for? Do we ask the Lord in the morning, send somebody to me so that I can talk to them about what you have done for me? Remember the saying, we have nothing to fear for the future except how we forget God has led us in the past? I was talking to my brother-in-law two weeks ago, and he's trying to figure out how to retire, and things aren't so easy for him. And the conference people kind of messed up on his paperwork, and he's just a little frustrated. And he says, I don't know if by the time I'm able to retire, if I'm going to be able to afford a house and this sort of thing. And, you know, I said, well, did you ever think that maybe the house that you're supposed to buy, the people haven't moved yet? I didn't think it was such a Neat thing to say, but he was impressed. God's timing is more important than our wishes and desires to retire. It sometimes scares us how good his timing is around what we are doing. Do we minister to those around us Or do we choose where to be around those we want to minister to? Is it difficult for us to accept the fact that they may not be one of the pretty people in life? It's very difficult sometimes for us to say, wait a second. I can step back and I can remember days when we were trying to figure out where we were going to pay the bills and buy some food and then somebody would knock on the door and you'd go to the door and there's a box of food. Right out of the garden. The tomatoes, the carrots still had dirt on them. God Has timing that we do not understand. And when he says, I'm expecting you to help me spread the word, does he need our help? Does he need us to do our job? Absolutely not. God is a very big, big God. But God has given us the privilege of being part of what's happening in spreading the gospel. Help us to understand. What we're supposed to do if we spend time with Him and to follow His leading and His protection. God has never told us that He will never let us die. Most of us know that we're not going to get out of life alive. Maybe you young kids don't quite think that way, but us older people do. If we're lucky, we will be here when Christ comes. But that luck does not change if we die first. We're still lucky enough to go to heaven if we minister to the people that God has asked us to minister to. I was talking to a group of young people at a camp out about, what, three, four weeks ago? On this similar subject. We were up at Cow Lake. And I'd ask them a couple questions, and somebody said, yeah, I'm just a babysitter. You know what a babysitter's worth, a good one these days? They're worth their weight in gold. Well, I just do this. My mother cleans the hospital. Do you know how much a patient appreciates to have their hospital room clean? Decent sheets and nice clean sheets on their bed. They have no control of why they're there and what's happening to them while they are there. But to have just those simple tasks done, God wants us to minister. Sometimes it is changing the sheets on the bed, and other times it's doing surgery. Other times it's working the way God has asked us to work. I was talking to my administrator at the hospital. He's actually the administrator of all three hospitals that I'm responsible for, plant operations. And I had texted him when the weather came. There were several people that worked at the hospital that immediately ran outside, grabbed their cars, and jumped in and drove them in under the overhang of the hospital so their car wouldn't get hit with hail. So I texted my administrator and I said, what do you want me to do? Because I don't think they should be there because my truck may be 20 years old, but I still don't want it beat up with hail. But, you know, we all can't park there. He had a one sentence, very short, very clipped sentence, tell him to move, and then now was in capital letters. I was in my office the next day. And I was talking to the guy that works for me, and he came in, and he said, Brad, I'd like to apologize yesterday. I I sounded kind of angry around you, and I was working. I want you to know that I was not angry with you. He said, I was late getting back to this hospital, coming in from Watonga, so he's fighting the hail all the way across. And he said, I had to hurry because I had to tell these people to get their cars out of the way because one of them is a little higher on the food chain than I like to talk to and tell them to move their car. And he was coming to do that for me and I appreciate his help. And he's dusting his hands off and I said, do you need something? And he said, no, I was driving. And as I drove by this car on the side of the road, I noticed it was kind of sitting three-legged on the road. And just as I went by this apparently lady, as he was able to figure it out, stood up and flipped her ponytail. And he says, that's a lady back there. I've got to go back and help her. And I'm late and I don't have time. And he said, I went on another mile down the road. And I kept getting impressed that I needed to go back and help this lady get her tire changed. Weather and all, hail was on its way. And he did. He turned around and changed the tire. She had four of the five lug nuts off, completely off. So that meant she had not loosened the last one and the whole weight of the car was sitting on that one lug nut and she just didn't have the power to get that one loosened and get off and he helped her, got her back on the road. God asks us, regardless of the hail and the storm, to help and to minister to people. I appreciate my administrator for that. He is a very good Christian man. I appreciate him for the fact of coming to apologize for the guy that worked with me. He didn't need to do that in today's standards, but he did. Because he does try to minister to us. So once again, what's your job? Think about it every day. What is my job today? Yes, I'm going to go test this thing and fix that thing and do the other thing at the hospital. But my job is to make sure that the people around me that God has put in my path are taken care of. I don't work at a hospital doing what I do for the money. They don't really pay that good. I can go out to areas outside of a hospital use the same talents and techniques and make a lot more money but what i do at the hospital i don't walk into the patient's room and say hi how you doing i'm going to take your blood pressure because they really don't want me doing that but i can make sure that their bed goes up and down that their tv works i can make sure that the ladies who work for me who are by the way the best housekeepers bar none in the state of oklahoma literally their room is clean i can make sure that that happens and that's what god has asked me to do i'm not particularly good at organizing things and keeping track of things my desk is a disaster that paper is in there somewhere and when it gets really bad i call home and say Sweetheart, would you come help me straighten up my office and find this piece of paper? And we find it. It's a wonderful concept. But God didn't ask me to keep my desk straight. He asked me to take care of the building and the people in that building so that they can do their work for the patients who are coming to us so I can keep the patients safe and reasonably happy. That's my job. What's your job? Shall we bow our heads for the benediction? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you have been willing to ask us to do a job for you. You're the perfect job, boss. This is the perfect job. We have on-the-job training. We have a marvelous benefit package. And all of these things you are giving to us free if we but say, Be my Lord and Savior, and I believe and love you. Help us each day to reach out to those who God has put in our paths. In thy name we ask. Amen.